Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. Coming up. They may have taken the lives of four girls, but they've ruined the lives of a lot of people. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson. You're listening to The Daily Crime. I think of her every single day. I mean, I know she was scared to death. All the girls were scared to death. And I mean, I think about that every day. And I probably always will. The day, the reminder of the passing and the tragedy, uh, it's just a great sadness. And you can't really get past that today. Cold case detectives in Austin, Texas, continue to investigate the murders of four teenagers that happened 30 years ago, the night of December 6th, 1991. I'm joined by... Senior reporter Tony Blahetsky at KVU in Austin, Texas. Tony, thanks for being here. Nice to be with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Tony, I know you've covered this case a lot over the years. Uh, you've written about it and talked to a lot of investigators, family members, you name it. Uh, for people who are not familiar with it, let's go back to that night of December 6, 1991, and explain what we know about the discovery of four teenagers killed inside the, uh, the yogurt shop in Austin. Well, it was a horrific night. Um, one of the worst in, in cities in the city's history, and people still to this day talk about not only how unbelievably tragic it was, but also how terrifying it was for the people of Austin. The facts of the case are this: authorities received a, a 911 call, um, radio dispatches about an I can't believe it's yogurt shop. Uh, in North Austin that was on fire. Initially, emergency responders treated it as though it, it was a, a, only a fire. Um, sadly, once they were able to access the, the interior of the shop, they found the bodies of four teenage girls um, ranging in age from 13 to 17 who were dead inside. They had been bound, gagged, shot, and their bodies were badly burned in in the blaze as well. And it, at the time, and in many ways still today, it was inexplicable, right? I mean, can you tell us who the victims were, a little bit about them, first of all? Two of the of the of the girls work in the yogurt shop. Um, they all knew each other uh through, through various ways, but one of the things that, that they had in common was their participation in the FFA program at an Austin high school. Uh, but two, uh, like many you know, teenagers, two, two of the, the girls worked at the I Can't Believe It Showgirt shop to make extra money. One of them, uh, Jennifer Harbison, had a sister named Sarah Harbison, Sarah and a friend of hers, the youngest victim, 13-year-old Amy Ayers, had been at a nearby shopping mall that evening and actually walked to the yogurt shop. They were there for closing time so that they could get a ride home with with Sarah's older sister, Jennifer. Um, I think one of the things that, that, one of the reasons this case has had such 
enduring interest and intrigue, though, is because there are so many unanswered questions about what happened that night. First and foremost, who did it? And Tony, early on, were there any leads or clues? We can get into what happened, I I believe it was around eight years later when there were some major developments. But early on, other than the fact that they had this horrific crime scene, I believe the back door was unlocked and there was no sign of forced entry. Maybe multiple people took part in, in robbing the store and then killing the girls. But what did we know, if anything, back then? One of the the most fascinating things about about this case early on is that it actually triggered in the in the early days investigators were getting you know confessions people were calling and falsely confessing to having killed these girls um, two men in Mexico uh, confessed to the crime, but later recanted and said that their confessions were coerced by, by the government there. Um, but similarly, Austin police investigators got thousands and thousands of tips. I talked to one investigator recently and he said his job was to go into the homicide unit every morning and check an answering machine. Keep in mind it's 1991 and that it would just be loaded with tips. And so investigators were pretty overwhelmed, frankly, even early in the investigation in terms of chasing down all of these tips, these leads. Sadly, one of the things that that could have potentially helped solve this case the most would have been forensic evidence, but unfortunately, so much of the potential evidence was damaged or destroyed in the fire itself. I still don't know why why someone would kill four innocent innocent girls. They never did anything, you know, to hurt anybody. Hey, I mean, you don't ever think anybody's going to come into a yogurt place. And shoot you. I mean, it shoot you and all your friends. This just doesn't happen in a yogurt place. Give us the information that will lead to the arrest and conviction of the person that murdered these girls, and we will give you $100,000 for that information. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. Eight years later, around that time, two men eventually confessed. They went to trial, right? They were, and they were actually convicted, as a matter of fact. And and the two others never, never stood trial, but two men were convicted. One actually received the death penalty. Um, both, according to police, did confess to the crime, but again, later recanted and uh, higher courts ruled that those confessions could not be used uh, against each other. And so that was one of the reasons that the case, the main reason that the case was was overturned. But again, uh, one of the four uh, sat in jail awaiting trial for a number of years before prosecutors ultimately dropped the charge against him. And the fourth... Uh, he was never actually indicted by a grand jury. So um, 
arrested and charged, but but the case never really went anywhere against him. And my understanding is there was at least one piece of DNA that never matched any of those four suspects. Is that right? That is correct. And there has been an effort over the years to, of course, try to link that DNA to someone else. Um, Investigators have compared it with what I understand are hundreds of people, um, including first responders from that night, but they have never, just to rule them out, but they have never been able to um, get a profile from that DNA that matched any anyone else, any person of interest, um, anyone who may have been at the scene that night and could have potentially contaminated uh, the, the sample. Um, so that's part of what they're still working on to this day. And you mentioned you spoke to an investigator recently. This is one where you continue to check in frequently, right? It's certainly year after year as this anniversary date comes up, now the 30th anniversary, and speak to investigators. What else are you hearing from them, if anything, about the investigation, about the case? Their hope for a resolution and for a full accounting of what happened that night is still very, very strong. Um, I think, though, with the passage of time, they really think that that the likelihood that this case will be solved could very much hinge on um, forensic evidence that that you know, barring someone making a confession that can be solidified, that it really could be the forensic information that leads them to the killer or killers, and it may be the case that that is done, you know, years or even decades, perhaps in in the future, um, that we may just not yet have the science to be able to solve this case. And, and you said at the beginning there were so many calls and even these sort of bizarre confessions, it sounds like, but there were tips coming in, and even to this day, tips come in all the time, right? That's right, and and authorities are still are still running them down. And the in the Austin Police Department cold case unit in the in the unit's headquarters, they actually have a diorama of of the yogurt shop itself with pictures of of the four victims, really as a constant reminder um, that this case isn't solved, and that there are four families out there who still desperately want to know what happened. I talked to. Barbara Wilson, the the Harbison girl's mother. And she said, you know, she's not sure that justice will ever be possible, but she would like answers about who killed her daughters. Yeah, just such a sad chapter in Austin's history and one that we're reminded of year after year as, again, this anniversary comes up. Tony Polhetsky at KVU in Austin, Texas. Thanks for talking to us. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to The Daily Crime. We're here five days a week, Monday through Friday. And be sure to check out our weekly show, True Crime Chronicles, available every Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson.